Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your teams. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Analytic Mind podcast. I'm joined today uh, by Chris Barber. Chris is very well known out there in the Microsoft community um, with a um, re- reasonably popular website and also just someone who's highly engaged in various aspects of the community, NVP, um, uh, social media um, activity, so on and so forth. So excited to get your insights, Chris. And uh, maybe to start us off, why don't we uh, just do why don't you just give us a quick intro a little bit more about yourself so um so everyone tuning in um can uh, know a little bit more about your background thank you sam and also yeah been long time admirers of enterprise dna and obviously I've, I've presented at a couple of different events that you've done uh over the years and obviously you know the website of course you're running a great out there um so yeah so i'm chris barber i'm a microsoft mvp I sort of finished a master's in analytics and then I went into finance. So um, I know quite a few of the different guests you've had on here are chartered accountants. So I've mm-hmm. add myself to that list as well. So I was in finance and I think like uh, also like a lot of your guests, I saw sort of the potential with things like um, Power Pivot within mm-hmm. Excel and obviously evolved into being Power BI, mm-hmm. just how powerful that could be for the, for the finance community. And mm-hmm. that's really where my interest lies. It's in the finance side of things um, and in sort of like the large data modeling. So if we get to models of tens of billions of rows, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff really excites me. I know that's the kind of the 0.01% of users out there, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, so large scale data modeling, financial reporting. Um, I run starschema.co.uk, which is a website. Mm-hmm. I've had over a thousand people take my course on, on finance. I've also done, I don't know how many talks, <laughs> the Microsoft Reactor in London and several mm-hmm. online as well um, with the London Business Analytics Group in particular. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a bit about me. Really mm-hmm. interested in Power BI and yeah, consultant in that space as well. Awesome. And tell me, how how did you get super interested in the larger data models? Because that is quite unique. That is, I mean, obviously you've got a website called Star Schema, so that, that gives us a, a, a few ideas there as to why, but um, how, how did that become you know quite an interest for you in the whole landscape of power bi yeah so i think um power bi in sort of the microsoft stack and not just microsoft other companies now a lot of it is kind of month-to-month releasing and kind of quite quick sort of stuff and i think there's a there's a temptation to get sucked into that or i need to be constantly like learning all these new little things but actually at its core um, the engine behind Power BI and sort of the tabular modeling, those kind of principles have existed for a long time. So mm-hmm. I was really interested in kind of the deep learning around that type of thing um, in how you build tabular models, right? So Chris Adamson, Star Schema book, um, you know, Kimball, all these kind of things. So that's really, really what got me interested um, because I was using Power BI as a backend, not even telling people that it was Power BI, right? And just using the Excel connected to a Power BI when I first I first started out with it, right? So um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I got really into the model. And then as you go, you learn more and more about the the tabular engine and what sits behind Power BI. And I think that for me is the most interesting bit, right? You have <coughs> dropping my pen there. You have a business problem. Um, and then from the business problem, we have a, a data model which meets that problem. And I think that bit is really, really interesting. Um, 
Mm. And then once you get into that, also you get into the larger, the larger scale problems and you get into the minutiae of all the various different little settings you can do that 99.9% of users have got no idea about. But if you, mm. if you mm. use tabular editor, which I know you've got courses again on enterprise DNA, you can get mm. into the weeds stuff. Um, so yeah, mm. that stuff. And then I had fortunate that I work with, you know, Accenture, Avenard, right? So um, mm. we do have definitely the most MVPs and all that in the UK, right? And uh, yeah, we mm. deal with the large scale clients. So I get the opportunity as well. Yeah. One of the one of the biggest things that I see from, from client interactions, advisory interactions that I have, um, which aren't, I, I would say, you know, I don't do that often, but maybe every month or so I have um, one sort of interaction with a, with a customer. It's always the model which really is ruining their Power BI experience or ruining their Power BI deployment. It's generally almost 100% of the time way too complicated, way too complicated, way too many tables. It just it makes everything harder. So is that something that you have seen as well, that that sort of behavior is, is going on? And and do you have any, have you had come up with any ideas around how you can make it less complex, how, how it can become far more intuitive for the everyday user? Yeah, so I think I've got a sample bias here, Sam, in that, you know, I'm a consultant. I go in when there's a problem. And like you said, most problems are caused by the model, right? So most clients I go into have got a problem. They will they might say the problem's DAX, they might say the problem is slow visuals, but but like you said, the, the real heart of the issue is the model mm-hmm. and the understanding of the business problem um, to do that. Um I don't think there are any quick and fast answers to getting a correct data model. Mm. And I think it's both a good and a bad thing, right? I, I think um, if you want to get into the space, and obviously those of you listening, I think getting that deep learning will give you a huge, huge advantage that people, other people won't be able to compete with you. And mm. I think Kimball talks about Anthem talks about it. It's not um, modeling; isn't all technical theory. It's kind of also you, there's a bit of kind of a bit of judgment call in there as well, right? It's not just you know here's hard and fast rules and you you abide by them. You have to you have to know and sort of apply different models. So no, I don't think there are any quick fixes when it comes to model. I think it is really understanding the problem. And I think it's really understanding the theory. And quite often what I'll do is I will draw up three or four different ways of modeling a particular problem. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a chat with it about my colleagues and go, well, here are the different options. And then you can have a, you can have a sensible discussion. There are also ways you can do, you know, simple things that you can do to fix your model, right? You can run C sharp script. So if you, know, you think all a model is, is, TMSL script, you can run C sharp script to clean up your TMSL script, right? So there's kind of mm-hmm. quick things like that. But that for me is that for me is around the edges. <laughs> the problems with models is the understandability piece, which there isn't a quick fix for, in my opinion. Yeah. One one of the things that I've defaulted to um, just from seeing this over and over again is the total simplification of an of of each unique power bi desktop model because power bi desktop is is currently or historically we have done a lot of the modeling i know that that's sort of moving um to a different it can be moved to a different part of the stack particularly with data marts that that that, that are coming on stream um and and maybe some other technologies like like tabular t- type uh tools that microsoft has but for the vast majority of users the model is built in power bi desktop right and I've defaulted to and keen to get your view on that is that the reality is you probably can break out a much larger model into smaller power models 
right? So almost different views of that master model. And those different views could be a Power BI desktop file on its own. And then that makes everything simpler. It makes your model simpler. It makes it more flexible. It makes your, measure, your measures simpler. If everything is simpler, everything post that can be much simpler and intuitive. So I've gone to this. You can have a master model, maybe uh, managed by someone who is really strong, has a strong skill set. But then for the end user who's having to navigate um, the, the model itself, try and break it down into a smaller view, and then maybe stack multiple different smaller view models on top of each other within a workspace. So I'm keen to get your take on that. Yeah, I mean, 100% right. I think quite often you'll see um, five different models all measuring the same thing, but from different perspectives. So mm. you'll have sales by product, sales by um, customer. And actually, you know, it could just be one model, right? Because what they've done is they've not focused on the process when they've gone into model it. Um, obviously, there's the, the concept of perspectives of a model. So you mm -hmm. can have a bigger model with different perspectives of it, right? More advanced concepts again. But um, yeah, and so those are the kind of tools where you can you can break it down. But I think there's 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 two extremes, right? There's having loads and loads of small models or having one huge model. Neither is really the right answer. You're not going to have one model for the entirety of the business. Mm -hmm. And on the other extreme, having lots and lots of little models, all you're going to end up doing is having fragmented information across the business and, and a lack of single source of the truth. The right answer is somewhere in between that. And then, like you say, you know, and I think that's usually based on processes and, and what the business is and how, how the business operates, which again, it isn't a, there isn't a kind of a hard and fast, it comes with experience and it comes with practice. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, once you've got those ones, then you have views on top of them. I think it's a yeah. sensible way to go, but it also depends on you know the data literacy within the company and kind of the, the profile of people you're working with, how far down the road you can go with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, 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 nice thoughts. So, what are what are in in your experience? Because obviously, working um, with some larger um, customers, and you have probably have done over over many years now. What are some of the big challenges that you're seeing out there uh, with implementations of Power BI or just um, a data culture? So I think one of the big, so a two-part question there. So one of the big things with data culture is if you are going to go down the self-service, fewer models, everybody gets involved. Obviously, you need to sort of raise the bar of the overall data literacy within the company. So that's the wider kind of, you know, keeping it forefront of mind for everybody. You know, maybe you do monthly, you talk about Power BI every month with them and say, here's the latest updates and you kind of just try and breed that culture and i've heard other guests on your, on this show talk about things like you know having teams channels having power bi in your teams itself and all these kind of things right so i say around the culture stuff there's there's loads and loads of things that you can do um and you've got to work out what's the right forum for your company you know are you in the office do you just want to put together so there, there's lots and lots of different options um around that and then, sorry, first part of the question, what was it again? It's um, it was mind. sort of more specifically with Power BI. So um, if you were using Power BI as that tool, like what, what, what are the challenges in the architecting of solutions? Is it um, in um, making sure that uh, you aren't creating silos and hundreds of different workspaces? Like what are some of the, what are some of the big things that you've seen um, that you've, you've, you've 
had to go in and, and almost correct or you've had to go and uh, improve because they've been suboptimal. Yeah, so I think one of the big challenges is obviously the way the product has evolved, you know, it's turned into this more enterprise tool over time. So what you end up happening is you've got this legacy within an awful lot of companies, right? Where they've yeah. got, say, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 reports. They don't even know, right, until you go in and, and tell them how many reports they've got. So I think one of the big challenges is sort of legacy and how they've evolved and then they've got loads of this. And then it's, okay, now I want to kind of rein this in. That's a lot harder than I'm starting from scratch and I just want to kind of build something up and I'm going to have these as my kind of dedicated enterprise workspaces where I know the data is high quality and I can use things like data certification and all this kind of stuff to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the, the kind of, it's the kind of trying to reverse engineer what's there, figure out what's there and then get back to something that's, that's sensible. Right. And I think that's, that's quite challenging. And I think I alluded to earlier today, I think, a lot of the challenge, the technology, not just Microsoft, the technology is getting better and better, and it will be better and better tomorrow. So mm. performance and all that, Microsoft are letting you get away with an awful lot these days. You can do some pretty pretty heinous stuff, and it will mm. still work. Mm. But that doesn't mean it works in terms of adding value to the business, because for me, models are all about understandability. Can you understand them? Can somebody else go in and interpret them? Mm. And that thing will never go away even if a terribly awkward report performs really well if you can't understand it still still not there so yeah so that for me is the the other big challenge hmm. one, of, one of the big things that i think about when you when when building models amongst other things but 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 models specifically is is the continuity you want within the business. So you, if you don't build a model which is intuitive and like can be understood by others and others in the future, you lose all that continuity, that, that, that inbuilt um, knowledge within a, within a business, in my opinion. So can, yeah, have you got any thoughts on, on, on that point as well, uh, specifically as well? Not much more than to agree with you. Yeah, yeah you yeah. do. You know, um, people come and go. If you, if you build a model that's understandably, somebody else picks up and go, oh, this is logical. Yeah, you, you have that. And, you know, we all know people come and go from organizations. You know, I'm only a consultant. I'll go in for maybe a month, maybe six months, you know. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's an even more extreme issue. Um, so everything I do has to be continuous. Yeah, from the point so I leave it. So that's it has true. to be understandable, right? But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm agree. Um I have to laugh because I have seen some consultants go in and build things for 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 customers and and the model is a disaster and and the, and the customers having to come and um, do some advisory work because they have no idea what what is actually going on so I would I would say that that's not the norm but I I, I agree with you like that's what you need to aim for particularly as a consultant no I'm saying I I've seen some seen some horrible stuff um in critical stuff in fortune 500 companies you know so it's yeah. it's not it's not unheard of um mm. yeah it's uh, it's quite amazing i think people just um they over index i think and they, they get the everything looking flashy up front um and then you know six months later you've got five times the amount of data and it all breaks and nothing works and then you've got to completely re-engineer the back end it's not yeah it's definitely not unheard of yeah can you tell me about the best example you've seen as of, of a really successful implementation of Power BI. Have you got any 
any i know i know as a consultant you usually brought in when it's not going well but is there is there one that really sticks to your mind as to has been done really well they're getting a ton of value they've changed their data culture like what is what does best practice look like um out there yeah, so I'll, I'll be careful to try and not mention any clients, but yeah, I've, I have seen um, a client where they they really did introduce, and this was a multi-billion row solution, um, analyzing their sales from basically every which perspective, um, and it gave them real insight and ability to, hey, I can now see everything across all of my thousands and thousands of stores by product, by time of day, really down to the minutiae. Mm. And that ability before they might have it from one perspective and another perspective, and then somebody asks for it from a combination and they're kind of mashing it together in Excel and kind of making some assumptions. And now they have the, the detail and the granularity to go forward. Mm. Um, yeah. On the flip side, I've seen stuff where, you know, there were big decisions made prior to my time at Avenard. I will, I will add here where people have made big, you know, multi-million pound wrong decisions because they didn't have the right information. Right. So um it's mm. come back to cost them really badly. So it's, mm. yeah, um, yeah, it, the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what did it take, do you think, to build that quality um, oh, that, that to bring everything together so that the insight was at such a quality where it was making a, a, a huge difference? What did it take? Was it the personnel that they had in there? Was it the... IT team was it the analyst team was it the uh, leadership from the um, uh, executive team what do you think it took to to deliver something of such high quality yeah so firstly I think they had a very good culture so some people are just deliver just deliver and then you end up getting delivered on rubbish you could have a you could have sensible back and forth conversations with them and they were very good they also had a really, really good business analyst, someone who really understood the problems of the business. And mm. it's not always simple exactly what it is they mean, you know, and they were able to really drill down and get to the exact of what they were after and mm. pass those requirements and package those requirements on. So, you know, as a, certainly as a consultant, you only get a very short period of window to understand what the business and if somebody's been working there for 10 years, that knowledge that they've got, right, if you're working within a business, you know that business inside out. You know how it works. You know all the little little details and little nooks and crannies that I'm not going to know as a consultant. So those people are just exceptionally valuable. Um, and they also brought in some really good people. Um, somebody was hired into that team. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, really, really took it forward to another level um, mm -hmm. from a different consultancy into, into practice. So, yeah, right. but I, I do think, yeah, a number of things. But, yeah, they the whole culture around the company was very kind of understanding. They knew they needed to build up their data literacy and they invested a lot, lot in that as well. So yeah, mm. it's all around. It's very successful. I'm trying not to give away too many details to, uh, yeah, yeah, no, to what I'm talking about, but they probably know. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that, uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, that's such, so such useful insight, right? Because the reality is, and this is from what we've seen is that if you give, the, the the technology now gives the everyday business analyst, data analyst superpowers, right? Uh, it absolutely does, particularly the the Microsoft stack. I mean, uh, this is across the board, but the Microsoft stack particularly, because the the, the business analyst can be the subject matter expert, but then they can help with the data engineering, the data architecture, the data modeling, 
the data analysis, the data visualization. They can do all of it. They can do all of it with up and down the Microsoft stack. So when you when you give and, and empower them with the skill set com- combined with the 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 internal knowledge of the business and the and the technology, when you put, bring those all together, that's a powerful combination, right? Very powerful com- combination, and and I feel that that trend is only going to continue, you know, the stuff away mm. from centralized IT to um, departmental stuff, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's not a trend that I can see reversing any time. And I think what we'll see from, from Microsoft and other vendors is they will continue down that path. So mm. if you are in that type of role where you're, yeah, you're, you're business analyst, you do have the opportunity and there will become more and more opportunities in the future for you to, for you to do this. Yeah. yeah and no, I mean, I agree. And I've heard you mention this on other podcasts and yeah, I've sort of sat there nodding agreeing to it. Yeah. And I even look across the power platform stack as well. It's just like applications, automations. I mean, there used to be like basically full on teams that did each of these things separately, (laughs) even, even within, even within just like the, just the power BI stack, you used to have data engineers, used to have ETL experts, used to have data um, modeling experts. But the reality is the, uh, the empowerment of, of the everyday business analyst has gone, um, um, you know, through the roof in the past like five to seven years, that it, it, it truly, it, tru- it truly has. And yeah, I, I actually do know that I've said this many times on the on the podcast um, um, before, but it, it it never it never, um, in my opinion, is um, not worth repeating because it is it is so it is just so true. It is it is a transformational change in how these um, activities can be done within any business, big or small. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I, yeah, there's nothing there I can disagree with at all. I think it's, yeah, definitely a huge opportunity and, and definitely daunting for some people, especially mm. um, especially people from, I suppose, like I'm indexed towards the finance community, right? Especially people from a finance background, they can tend to be, you know, this is the way things have been, you know, finance has been done the same way for mm. 300 odd years or whatever it is when the first general ledger was, uh, was put together. So, yes, mm. so agree, huge amount of opportunity and there will only be more. Um, and definitely on the smaller scale, I suppose I'm more indexed to the enterprise scale where a lot of those things, even though you can do them, you still need specialists. You know, nothing makes me smile more when I go to work with a decent data engineer and who just brings everything back perfectly and, mm. you know, and everything's the works and all of my foreign keys and surrogate keys are everywhere where I've said I need them. So, yeah. So, yes, you can do them. And definitely in mid-size and small size organizations and even large organizations, you can do it. And I suppose there's that, there's that tipping point in the in the 1% when mm-hmm. you want to be really sure where I think you, you still need the, the experts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think I think every, everyone in reality, everyone's been giving is being given superpowers. So it's not like the um, uh, the the technical experts are going that they don't need to go anywhere. It's just I think they can do more. They can be more helpful, and and um, they can empower the business to do to do a lot more, you know. And 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 when you bring the skill level up um, across all of those uh, the, those business analysts or or, or everyday um, uh, data type users, you know, it's it's a powerful combination. It's a powerful combination of of everyone making um, making data more immersive and, and really driving that data culture. I do want to do a bit of a pivot, Chris. I do want to do a bit of a Different. pivot. I want to. I want to learn a little bit more, and I think um, uh, the those tuning in will be interested a little bit more about MVPs, about how maybe you um, became one, and what 
it's entailed ever since you've you've been one and you know and following on from that like maybe what you what you really like about it or what what's 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 great about being an MVP so I know there's a few questions there but yeah interested to learn a little bit more about it and 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 maybe I, I well I have a feeling our, our um our listeners will as well yeah so I give the same advice to everybody I don't um, so the things that you need to do, MVP, right, blogging, speaking, I would say don't do those things in order to become an MVP. In fact, you know, I had no idea that I would become an MVP. What I get an awful lot of value out of speaking, blogging, creating courses. You know, when I have to go and explain a complex topic to a client, I'll often write an article or do a talk on it like because I know I'm going to be speaking to them in a month's time on it. And I get the learning and I get the development out of it. So the first thing I'll say is don't do things just to become an MVP. But obviously, once you are an MVP, there are uh, there are a significant amount of benefits to it, right? There's um, there's MVP. We get time with the product team. Um, we get preview for where Microsoft is going in the future. And, you know, particularly as a consultant, that helps me. It's both a blessing and a curse, right? Because I might try and design a solution for a client with in mind that I knew something is coming in the future. And this, this happened very recently, actually. And it's just, um, I've, you know, built, built, built something and I'm like, oh, this is going to be in a release in a couple of months. So I'll build this solution in, but I can't tell the client that. So it's a, a blessing and a curse. Um, but it's obviously really, really powerful. But yeah, yeah, product team. I've never had the chance to go to the MVP summit in person because I've been an MVP for two and a half years or something. And it's always been online. So I think, Mm-hmm. that's the big thing is actually getting in person face to face with the with the team as well will be huge um so yeah it's um i mean yeah the, the future and knowing what's coming is just so so valuable um because yeah. you can you can build solutions and you can think about what you're doing and even kind of stuff that i'm building solutions i know that they're future proofed because i know what's coming to a certain extent right microsoft can always throw a curveball in there but i know mm-hmm. what's happening so i know the solutions and the courses I'm putting on my website, for instance, I know that's going to be valid in X amount of years time as well. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like Microsoft do a good job of looking after their MVPs? Um, because I, I, I have no doubt that that uh, you've added a lot of value to Microsoft yourself and a lot of uh, all the MVPs have. So do you feel like um, it's reciprocated? Yeah, I think you, you definitely, you definitely get stuff back. Right. Um, I suppose like I said, I didn't really do it for an MVP. I think the, the big benefit I get from an MVP is, um, like I said, the, the product team staff being able to push questions to them, but also um, going to clients and having the credibility. That's so that's just them awarding me gives me quite a lot. In mm-hmm. terms of the benefits, I think there's 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 things that happen. Um, you get like a number of different benefits from being an MVP. I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose more, but you get certain things right, um, mm-hmm. which just help you um, to kind of boost your profile and also to like I've got. Um, my website is running a billion row Power BI income statement, right? That's powered by licensing and everything that I get from Microsoft for free, right? I'd have to pay for right. any of that. Yeah, so that's, that's quite powerful, right? I can build up that big solution. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, wouldn't really want to fork out to, uh, to run that myself personally. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool. And you get some um, some nice um, some nice plaques and um, hard, hardware behind you uh, to, to to showcase as well, which is which is neat. 
yeah. It's kind of no, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like it's 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 now the 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 one thing that uh, that that I'm I'm hoping we'll get one day is the U, like the YouTube the the YouTube um um plaque for having hundred thousand uh, subscribers. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of the equivalent uh, these days. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've gone out of the YouTube game. I should go back to it at some point. But yeah, no, I know obviously Enterprise DNA, you've got loads of stuff out there and obviously, you know, your mm. own courses as well. But um yeah, yeah. I don't oh, know, I don't know where you're at the moment, but you've got yeah, some amazing content out there. YouTube YouTube is 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 a pretty tough game these days. Um it's incredibly competitive, obviously. Yeah, I mean anyone can um put up a video uh, on Power BI and there's there's a lot of Power BI experts out there now. Uh, there wasn't uh, there wasn't so much when we first started. Uh, or when I first started, when I did it, when I was doing it by myself, but it's, it's sort of changed a lot now. But I, I would say so we've evolved as well, um, just because of that, you know, um, because there's just so much material, you know. I, I and I think that um, there's there's room to teach users, uh, bring users um, across, uh, make them more across other technologies in the ecosystem that, that that work around Power BI and the Microsoft stack. So that's kind of like how we've we've positioned ourselves in recent years um is, is to be more than just just power bi you know power platform how to python integrations our integrations and i guess i guess following on from that have you seen have you been across any implement like any interesting implementations of um other things in the power bi ecosystem or has it always been quite power bi specific for you yeah, I, truthfully, I've been pretty Power BI specific. Obviously, I've seen stuff with Power Apps and sort of wider solutions, but I've kind of not really indexed towards that. But I know it's a, I know it's a big, big part of the solution. I suppose I'm, yeah, I'm pretty awful. You wouldn't want to see a Power App that I built, to be honest with you. Uh, it would scare you. Yeah, right, right. Um, oh, look, I think I think there's enormous room to grow for 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 everyone um, around Power Apps and Power Automate. I mean, that's they are, they to me are still so much in their infancy in terms of the impact and the um uh and the uh, integration that they could have um to power bi and the rest of the microsoft stack um you know even even i saw a really good implementation of a power app in microsoft teams so they built a power app it was in microsoft teams it was sort of part of a daily daily use of a, of, of, of a team and you know that's that's super powerful like that that, that was um a new uh, process which was completely automated made far far better um you know those are the sort of the big big wins that you can have i think with utilizing the, the ecosystem around power bi and uh, you know specifically within the microsoft universe yeah no doubt there are there's big implementations right obviously the, the big famous one is the uh the heathrow example which keeps coming up in uh the number of apps that they've built and been extremely successful so yeah but there's, there's oh really there's i haven't, I haven't heard i haven't heard different, heard, different, user, uh, different number of user cases so yeah um I haven't, yeah, I haven't so the, tell me tell me more because obviously you're in the UK so you've 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 probably been have they have they presented at some of some user groups or um at some some online um um events yeah and no, I'm pretty certain um they've had people on stage with Microsoft as well sort of showing right. um it's probably a couple of years ago now because I seem to remember it's in person yeah nobody's right. wearing a mask so uh, <laughs> that, that gives me a rough idea of the time period yeah so I know I yeah. know they've kind of they've kind of done a lot and they've been used as kind of the big user case but I I can think of other other clients that we've dealt with which have used it as well and there is definitely there's, there's huge room to grow with that right and that sort of low code no code yeah. approach um yeah. I mean yeah uh, there are far more possibilities than I can imagine yeah so tell me what what is exciting you about this space what, what are some of the things that have excited you previously and um 
and are, are happening now and then what about what about the future i mean there's a lot of stuff going on with ai at the moment um and and various other features that power that that power bi is releasing but even just 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 in the space what what, what are what are what are some of the things that you're 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 really um pumped up about yeah so i think the things that I'm really pumped up about are under NDA, um, but um, I'm definitely interested to hear about. But I would say, I'm you know I'm really interested in the finance space, right? I, I know it's um, it's not necessarily the most interesting for for a lot of people, but the way I see it is, the Power BI has still got miles to go in particular, right? Or reporting in general, because if you look at the number of people who are using Excel, you know it's magnitudes bigger than are using any of these other tools that we've just spoke about, right? That could be replaced with them. You know, people are using data entry for Excel and they could be using Power Apps. People are doing VBA when you could do Power Automate and people are doing a lot of reporting Excel. So for, for me, I think the big, big interesting part will be how people from those industries, people in those in that space move more and more into the kind of the, the kind of the one version of the truth reporting and kind of evolve into that space so for me that is going to be you know it's not there you know still you know every finance department I ever go into it's still all excel it's still you know there's a high index on that right but i feel the tide is is moving in that direction and is is there's the power goes from it more and more to to local teams i think there's going to be some really interesting developments in this space and uh yeah i think it will be a it'll be an interesting point when the when the tipping point comes and people start to switch off i think we're way away from there yet but I yep. think the two together, um, using solid quality data in the back that, that pulls through via APIs into Power BI into Excel mm-hmm. is kind of mm-hmm. yeah the kind of a halfway house, and hopefully we get more and more in that direction. So yeah, mm-hmm. I know it's not uh, chat TV, you know, and all these kind of sort of more interesting things that people are people are going on about at the moment. But um, yeah, for me, the finance stuff is yeah is really interesting. Well, I want to dive into that a little bit more because I find this really fascinating. If you I, I might have even said this to a couple of um, uh, f- colleagues or I may, maybe even to my family to justify why I set up enterprise DNA. I think uh, like se- about seven years ago, I said Power BI is going to be bigger than Excel in a 10 years time. That's I think I'm pretty confident I said that. I mean, it was a long time ago, but I just saw the potential of Power BI because I was a huge Excel user. Um, and I was I was just convinced, absolutely convinced that this is a better solution. Nothing has changed in my view. Nothing has changed. It is still a far superior way to do any analytics at scale within an organization to really change, to create a data-driven culture. It is still the tool. But what has not changed is Excel is, uh, yeah, what what has um, also not changed is Excel seems to still be so damn popular uh, compared to Power BI. And I couldn't agree more with you that there is so much room to grow in terms of Power BI's um, usage, even though it's it is, I believe, quite exponential even now. Um, but it's a better solution than Excel. So what what is it? What is it which is holding Power BI back? What what do you what do you think it is that is taking much longer than maybe what I thought, what some of us thought um, with this changeover to using Power BI versus Excel? Yeah. So I think. Um... I mean, I think if I could answer that, I think Microsoft would be uh, would be writing me a check in in hiring me um, in full, right? Because I think they would love to they would love to move a lot of Excel users over to to Power BI as well. In fact, you know, obviously that's Power BI team. The more of those users they can index, but I, I think there's a there's a few things, right? Um, 
in most organizations, I would say the best Excel users usually come from the finance department. So you tend to have that kind of that, that there's still a bit of that sort of that mentality of kind of, you know, Excel and this, this is how we do things. Power BI still doesn't do everything that we want it to do that finance users and give you that huge amount of flexibility. You know, it, just try and create. That's why, you know, what I've created, you know, two hour long courses on how to do things, right? It doesn't give you that huge amount of flexibility. So I do agree with you to some extent, but on the other hand, I'd say it's the two together. And I think this is where Microsoft is really strong, right? Because Excel is the tool that everybody and anybody uses. It works perfectly with Power BI through the API. So you can get that combination of, you, you have these two extremes. You have, I want one version of the truth and I want to change every number, any point of the day on a whim, <laughs> right? And these two views are completely incompatible. But what you can do is you can create that single source of the truth and you can have that in Excel and then you can, you know, manipulate and say, you know, okay, say I have to take a 30 million pound provision of my PL this year, this is what it would look like. So it gives you those those two things um, in tandem. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't see Power BI. I don't share your optimism for the for the move, but maybe maybe that's the, the people we've been integrating with. But I think mm-hmm. hopefully what we'll see is the two of them together. And I think mm-hmm. in some ways it's partly to do with Power BI being marketed in the visual tool. You know, I yeah. don't see the strength of Power BI as a visual tool. In fact, there's mm. better visual tools on the market, right? For purely just visualization, Tableau is a better tool. The strength of Power BI is the ability to, you know, model your problem as a business or understand your what's going on. Mm. And, and that mm. works really well with Excel. So yeah, I, I don't see Excel going away anytime soon. What I'd like to see is, is better Excel and the right tool being used in the right place. You mm. know, so I, I've seen people producing, you know, daily sales reports and taking four hours a day. You know, just somebody's job every day, come in four days to produce a daily sales report. Mm-hmm. Madness, right? Absolute yeah. madness. That should be automated in Power BI and you get a better result. And they were doing four hours every day. It wasn't even right, right? Because because of, you know, we go into, <laughs> we're not going to go into accounting funds, but, but this, so there's, there's yeah. things, but on the other hand, you know, when they're sat there budgeting, it's, oh, I want to tweak this number. I want to change this number. There are kind of um, custom visuals in Power BI, which kind mm-hmm. of takes you into the realm of not Power BI because it's yeah. it's TypeScript and CSS and everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've gone a bit of a tangent there. But yeah, my, my, my short answer is I don't see the trend completely away from Excel to Power BI. I'd mm-hmm. like to see more of that trend, but I'd like to see Excel not as a data source. You know, my data isn't Excel, my data is... And then I can kind of, you know, connect to it through the API, right? Yeah, one of the one of the one of the things that I think is held is held Power BI back is Microsoft's marketing of it, for sure. That is, they've obviously made a decision that that's the, 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 you know they've got thousands of people probably working on brand positioning and and pricing, etc. And they've decided that the visualization aspect is the way that they want to market. When the when the reality is, it is it is an analytical engine. It's a, it is it is the it can almost be like a, the un, the analytical underpinnings of your entire business. And when you build that up, when you build the foundations of that up well, it, there's so much you can scale out to in multiple different directions using Power BI and the ecosystem around it. But they've decided not to market it that way. For a particular reason, I, I would, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe because they've got competing tools. They had they they were competing with SQL Server. They were competing with Excel. They were competing with I don't know 
vast majority of other things and i'm sure it gets very political in there but yeah that that's sort of my take on it is that um they've they probably had to hold themselves back in some in some respects um because of um you know the the other uh, business challenges or the other business considerations that they've they've had to make as a as a wider organization. What do you what do you think about that? Yes, I'd say the marketing has drastically changed over time. So mm. I think certainly initially it was there as the let's let's take Tableau out of the market. I mean nobody will explicitly say this. Um, certainly yeah. not from the cat team, but let's uh, let's take let's take Tableau on and let's take that market share. Um, and the marketing was very much in the beginning, you know, five minutes from data to visualization, I think was the, the strap line, yeah. or it's something along those lines. You know, Pabi is now completely miles away from that product. You know, the whole the whole way since premium came in. Mm-hmm. And the way that it is now a enterprise reporting tool as much as it is a, a local reporting tool. So, yeah. yeah, so I'd say the marketing shifted. And I think, you know, maybe two years ago, we'd have been talking about, um, you know, Power Apps, Power Automate, Power BI all together, right? It's part of the Power mm-hmm. Platform. That vocabulary is kind of less and less now. Um, mm-hmm. And they're kind of, they're, they're in different sort of realms. So it's, I, I think... Microsoft marketing around it probably is probably a difficult thing to understand, but definitely it's been the perception yeah. of it in the marketplace is a visualization tool. Yeah. When the real thing that excites me is nothing to do with visualization, and it's it's under the hood what it can do right in the the engine they've built, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually just searching the Power BI website when you were when you were saying that, and yeah, you you, you are right. It has I, I guess evolved. It has evolved. Turn your data into immediate impact. Do more with less using an end-to-end BI platform. Um, and then it says, create a data-driven culture with business intelligence for all. Self-service analytics, smart tools for strong results, help protect your analytics. Data. Yeah, so they they have somewhat changed it a little bit, haven't they? But yeah. it's interesting when you when you look at it like that. When you when you when you look when you when you now market it like that, I think it probably maybe even scares a few Excel users away because they think it's more enterprise, don't they? It's it's such a tough, it's tough. It's so tough for them, isn't it? So tough. I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not crying, I'm not crying for them um at night. I mean they are a multi-trillion dollar business. Um, but it's <laughs> it, it's and they 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 they, uh, they make a ton of money. So I'm not I'm not um I'm not sad for them, but man, that's tough, it's tough, isn't it? It's really tough to position it, to position it right with all your other products. Yeah, and I'm certainly not a marketing expert, but there, there's it's definitely not easy, right? Because it's mm. such a it's such a vast product. And even if you look at Power BI Desktop, it's not one thing, right? It's the the yeah. it's, a, it's the visualization. It's also a database storing all your data because you're loading into Vertipack, yes. and it's also yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all the metadata. So it's it's kind of three things bundled together. But you start off telling a <laughs> someone you are going to scare them off pretty quickly. So it's um I I've yeah, and I would say that ninety percent of of Power BI users are. Oh, it gets installed automatically with Windows now. I'm going to open it up. I'm going to import a flat bit of data. I would expect that 90% of people, in fact, probably, I don't know, a fair percentage of people don't get past the first screen. <laughs> and then there'd be, after that, it would be, a, yeah, most people would just be one table of data, not even a date table. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, th- th- that's the other sad thing is that, is that um, those of us who really dived into the product early 
we saw Power Query. We saw the power of the model. We saw the power of DAX formulas. And we saw the power of, of reporting. We saw the power of how the online service can be your distribution mechanism, a really effective um, aggregation and distribution mechanism for your insights. All of those things combined, I think those who really dig into it can see. Um, but like 90, 80% of that wasn't even part of the marketing for Power BI. And so if you if you don't know that, if you don't actually spend the time, you don't see it, you don't see it. Because Power, I, I'll tell you a funny story. When when I first started out with Enterprise DNA, I went into a business and um, I told them about Power BI. They were already using Tableau and they're like, what's the difference? And I said, have you heard of Power Query? It's absolutely incredible. It's incredible. It can automate all of the tasks that you do and there's no such thing in Tableau. And they just, their, their eyes just glanced over. Like, no one cared. Like no one really could 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 understand it or they just, and, and I would presume that Microsoft did similar sort of um, uh, surveying and they found the same, the same thing, right? It's just not exciting. It doesn't get people excited about using the technology. So that's why they never saw it. I saw that firsthand. I saw that firsthand, even though I appreciated it and I knew how much of a difference it made to anyone who worked with data the reality is like, if you don't know, you just, you just didn't care. You didn't really care. You didn't see the value. Yeah. And there is a danger, particularly in, in this industry that um, technology for technology's sake, and we all like, like the latest geeky kind of, you know, monthly release and all this is new. Um, yeah. But I think what, you know, users are interested in is value. So I think if you can find, find pain points. Um, so I presume in your example, you were speaking to IT, right? Cause it's tabular. You're probably speaking to an enterprise IT team, right? But if you're speaking to somebody in the marketing team or somebody in the HR team or the finance team, and they had a pain point they were doing each month with their sort of particular reports that they were having to produce, mm. that's when you can go, well, you know, you're spending X amount of hours doing this, or you're mm. doing this repeat task. That's when your Power Query can, they, they might get more excited, not because of Power Query, but because of, you know, A, I can save X amount of hours per per day doing the mundane stuff that I really don't like doing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I've had, I had two interactions that are, are, are worth mentioning here. I think in that particular instance, I was talking to a manager who just had no appreciation. They had no appreciation. for. They just wanted to see shiny charts and visualizations. They didn't have any appreciation for what went into it. And so that's why the eyes sort of glazed over and they were like, I don't, I don't even know what this is. Why would anyone care? Um, even though it's such a huge part of any analysis. The other interaction I had with was also with a, another one. This is another example was with an IT professional who was very IT savvy. And um, they they knew what ETL was, and 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 I was telling them, you know that you know Power Query can do the vast majority of what ETL can do. And then they they threw their hands up, and they're like, oh no way, no way, it can't do that, it can't do this, it can't do that. It, uh, they were like, Alteryx, you know, Alteryx does all, all all this so much better. And I was like, well, honestly, for the vast majority of data analysts, like this this tool can do it. And they they just didn't want to they didn't want to know. They didn't want to. Um, um, they didn't want to see what 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 was what what, the, what changes were actually happening. So I actually saw both sides of that. It was very 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 fascinating um, to sort of see that firsthand. And really, what it came down to was I realized why Microsoft were marketing Power BI they were they were, the way they were. That's what it came down to for me was was you had you know it just wasn't the sexy part of of analytics. It wasn't the wasn't the part that everyone was like, wow, this is going to really really blow my mind. This is going to really make a um, a huge difference out there, you know, even though, it, even though we know, even though we know it does, um, who, who really dive into this, this sort of stuff, but I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. It's, it's kind of like, 
if you're selling a house, right? No one really cares about how the internal wiring has been done, do they? <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same sort of thing. It's not like you're going to market a property because of the internal, the way the, the, the internal wiring has been done amazingly well. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of that, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, you've got to, you've got to showcase the shiny bits um, to get the buy-in. Yeah. And, and I think, candidly, I think, you know, there are features that Microsoft have in the product, which are there as sales rather than stuff that will work in practice necessarily, right? They, they look great in right. a demo and they're nice and nice and shiny, but in practice, the, the nuts and bolts is what, what makes the product work. So there is a, there is an element of that, right? And I'm, I'm not a salesperson or a, a marketing expert, but there's definitely stuff in there that I would say is more kind of there to kind of get the, get the wow factor, right? Um, yeah. As, a, as an MVP, are you are you happy to mention any of those features? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. I know that uh, you've got various other considerations. Yeah, I, I feel like the, some of the stuff around sort of um, AI machine learning, as it is, it's worded. I think that's that's there because. AI machine learning is a, is just a buzzword that people click on when they see and they see AI machine learning. So if you if you kind of factor that into any kind of visual or anything, I think it kind of people go wow, right? Um, yeah. Now that stuff can be great, but you need an exceptionally good model behind it. You know, you need all of your synonyms in there and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, right? Which which yeah. very few people are gonna gonna go to. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say I would say those kind of things are the kind of things that. That I'm kind of like I'm always a bit uh yeah wait how's this work in practice yeah but, yeah yeah <laughs> I think um like if I was being truly honest a couple of things I, I think some of the I think custom visualizations for a long time was 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 just pretty useless um but they they they, they did improve it it did get better it did get better so I, I will give them credit but to begin with I always was I always questioned what is the point in this like that you're, you're having to pay for extra visuals when you can just get basically the same insight with an out of the box. I mean, I always really question that, but I would say that it's evolved now to where there is some value there. I really, really dislike deployment pipelines. I feel like that is just such a poor implementation of that particular feature. Um, good idea, terrible, terrible implementation is just there to sort of say, I, I, I think to your point is just to say they've got it. Um, quick measures I always thought was a really poor implementation um I think I think uh that there's some improvements in the online service as well that I uh, you know it's sort of like creating a data dictionary an easier way to, uh, to sift through measures and and data and columns etc within the online service to, to to almost create like a dictionary I think that could be um really enhanced and improved yeah so I, I I think I think we're sort of on the same page there. I'm a bit more vocal, I guess, um, <laughs> understandably so. No, no, I think I think you know I think you'll find that you know as a community, probably MVPs are probably some of those critical people of the product as a whole. Yeah. I'm probably I'm probably just more of a reserved individual. Um, yeah. I would say deployment pipelines, yes, because they only have three stages, right? So that's mm -hmm. the big limitation. Whereas yeah. you can deploy through DevOps, which is a far more powerful way of doing things, right? Because you know you don't just tend to have a the three environments right so there's definitely there's definitely limitations in there yeah. custom visuals is an interesting one are custom visuals it's you know it's like you're writing an entirely different product within the product itself yeah. so i think the danger with custom visuals is it's no longer really power bi if you've ever tried to write a custom visual or ever done a custom visual and you've got into the 
CSS and the TypeScript. Mm. It's entirely different products. You can do, you've just got free reign to do anything that you want to do. So I can take data out, I can write it to another database, which is why they can use write back in certain custom visuals, right? So it's mm. custom visuals is, is just purely down to the quality of the individual creating the code. You know, I work with with James Dales, who's got Icon Map, who's which is probably mm-hmm. yeah. probably one of the most popular custom visuals out there. I don't know the stats on who's downloaded what, but he I'd did, say he, Icon he, Map he, is. He did a really, he's done a really great um, presentation yeah. at one of our events. I, I actually have bookmarked um, bookmarked his presentation in our in our learning platform because um, of, 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 of the the Icon Map has some great features that just aren't available out of the box with Pavia. Yeah. And we've had client specific stuff where, you know, we have to go in and, and write a custom visual because they wanted to do something very specific. Right. So we've written a custom visual just for that client and it's it's their IP. Right. So probably it comes down to, yeah, the quality of the person writing the code and you can write absolute junk like I probably did first time I had a go at it. Or you can write some stuff which is really, really powerful. Um, so I think it's a nice feature to have there um, is like an open, but it probably, like you said, it. It's difficult. It's difficult because, yeah, the quality is hard to see at times. Some of them are, might break mm-hmm. on you, and that's really difficult. Yeah, but if, if you really think back to the beginnings of it, I, I, they created the custom visual to directly compete with Tableau because everyone, were, I think Tableau were even marketing at the time, oh, we've got so many other visuals, right? And so they created it, and I think they did that quickly, and it was it was just Mickey Mouse for a long time. I, I think, though, that the... Uh, ecosystem of of suppliers to it has really really improved. You know, Zebra VIs, Inforever, you know, Icon Map. You know, there's there's some really good providers there now. So I, I think it has made sense in the long term. But initially, it was a bit weird. I thought a bit a bit a bit a bit, bit, bit sort of marketing focused. But in any case, you know, things have worked out. So they're pretty they're pretty sharp. They know what they're doing. <laughs> um, yeah, um, any, I've got more yeah. of an issue with like the Python visuals and the R visuals, right? At least the custom visuals are programmed the same way Microsoft do them. But yeah, I do get your your point to the to the earlier implementation. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, unfortunately, we, we we do have to round up. I'm sure I've got to move on to um another call. But really enjoyed our um, conversation. Is there any is there any final thoughts? And and also, uh, uh, where where can can users um, find you more uh, find more uh, information about what um, about your uh, insights um, websites um, um, other other methods of um, distributing your 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 content um, where's the, where's the best place? Thanks. Um, yeah. So um, thank you very much for having me. Um, so my main point of contact is on starschema.co.uk. I'm active on. LinkedIn, um, Christopher Michael Barber, it's my full name. Um, so yeah, but starschema.co.uk is my main, my port of reference. Um, I think final thoughts is, you know, don't beat yourself up if you don't know everything. I don't think, you know, everybody does across the thing. I think you get a, get a broad understanding and then decide where you want to be excellent because, you know, it's very difficult to, uh, to be great everywhere. And, and certainly I work with people who know far more about certain areas of, power automate power apps even you know loads of elements of power bi that i've no idea about so i would say just get yourself a, a base understanding and go from there i know it can be really daunting to begin with um mm. yeah and, that, and that's everything for me and obviously thank you so much for having me and obviously i've been Mara of enterprise dna and all the work you've been doing for, for quite some time so yeah it's really good to uh to have this catch up yeah no i really appreciate it as well appreciate the insights um that uh that, that you've brought 
and yeah no doubt that that everyone tuning in um has really really enjoyed this discussion so let's uh let's let's round things off um cheers chris and thanks everyone for tuning in don't forget to subscribe uh add to your favorite on your favorite listening channel and um look forward to um getting some some more content um out uh, out to this year the, uh, out to you this year um about all the all the great things happening in this space thanks chris once again take care everyone thanks all Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's great to be connected, and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There, we have a range of resources to download events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in, where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care.